Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Welcome to the latest installment of the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burrows. Glad to be back on the air with everyone. Tonight is the first night of what hopefully will be a regularly scheduled weekly show. Most weeks it'll be on Tuesday. We've nicknamed the show Tuesday with Tasso. And I, my co-host for these shows will be Nick Tasso, the inefficient two, if you want to follow him on Twitter. Nick works with Rotoviz and another site that we'll ask him about uh, for baseball. He is one of the lead guys on Rotoviz for NBA. And he'll be working with me on Tuesdays every week as we review these week's games, kind of go over and touch on some of the key points to think about so that we can process a lot of the information that happened and help us to turn the corner as we head to the next week and to help us in our preparation. So, Nick, welcome aboard. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me back. Um, Some of you may remember me from uh, probably like 10 months ago or so. I made a few appearances on here. Thank you, Todd, for having me come back. And just to piggyback off what you were saying, especially early on in the season with 16 games uh, first few weeks, it's really important to kind of analyze those games um, and know what you're talking about, know what happened, so you can make uh, good judgment calls going forward. Yep, and you have to decide what you want to do with fantasy sports. Are you just a redraft guy or are you just a DFS guy? You know, we're going to try and cover all the angles. I, I find it funny because I'm focusing on GPPs this year, and I was on A.J. Green last week, and I had him in about 15% of my lineups. I wish I had had a little bit more guts um, because I felt like Revis wasn't Revis anymore, but because of the name, uh, Green was going to be the one stud who could get a lot of targets who would be under-owned, and that's my key focus this year, Nick. It's to find guys who are have a chance to go off but are going to be under-owned for one reason or another and finding uh, kind of faulty logic. And it was interesting to me that there was a guy that I really respect on Twitter. He's a big numbers guy, and he was saying he was going to put A.J. Green in every lineup this week. Well, because of how many targets he gets. But, you know, I'm not so sure that I will simply because if everyone's going to be on him, I'm going to look for the guy who's a big stud who might, might not everyone be on. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely agree with you there. I kind of have the same philosophy uh, going towards 
Jordan Matthews this week. I was reading an article on Rotoviz about how he's going undervalued, and no one's really talking about him. And going up against that Cleveland secondary, I, I think it was kind of a no-brainer. Um, there was a couple of small GPPs that I'd entered in that when it showed up, he was 0% owned. Obviously, it must have been point-something. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting. He had a decent day, and you combine that with a couple other, even if you have chalk plays, uh, as long as they hit, you're going to have a good day. Yep, and I avoided the chalk with Dak Prescott, um, but uh, I avoided too much of the chalk. And, you know, that's GPP life. If you make a mistake with, you know, the, the chalk that you fade, you know, you're going to suffer. But if you hit it, boy, you can win a tournament. And I had almost no Spencer Ware this week. So that um, that caused me to have a net loss. And uh, we'll move forward and try and do better next week. So we're going to go game by game. The first game, football was back. No Peyton Manning. And someone named Trevor Simeon was the quarterback of the Broncos. Um, how did you think Trevor did for his first NFL start? Whatever you have more interceptions than touchdowns, it's never really a good start. Uh, Broncos won the game, so if he's a team player, then uh, he's probably happy with that. But overall, his performance, he wasn't too great. I mean, the completion percentage was pretty decent, but only 178 yards. It's really uh, no, nothing too great. Um, but when you look at that, though, it's probably what Peyton Manning would have done last year. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, I think that Overall, the impression was, you know, he didn't blow the whole thing up, so he did pretty good. You know, his expectations were so low. I, I, you know, again, as long as he didn't just, like, blow the game up, I think everyone would have said he did pretty good. But looking beyond that, he, he, he surprised me with some of his poise and some of his throws. And at the very least, I think you can understand why the Broncos chose to go with him rather than the the human turnover uh, machine known as the Sanchez. Um, But the question for us is, can you see yourself rostering Trevor Simeon this week against a depleted Colts secondary in DFS? Oh, absolutely. I, I know I just kind of uh, talked bad about him, but you you got to take that whole start uh, in a hole. Um, you look at that secondary he was going up against, and now there's no Josh Norton, but Carolina is still a good defense. Um, and now you put him against the Colts team, who's really bad at defense all the way around. And I, I think he uh, he's in a decent spot. And you, you look at DFS, and a lot of it is, what have you done for me lately? People are going to look at Simeon, and they might be off of him just because of that start and his yard per uh, per attempt wasn't great. So, I don't know. He could be a sneaky play this week. Yep. I think that that's one of those ones where, as the week goes on, I'm going to be monitoring whether anyone is on him. And if no one's on him, I will put him in some lineups. Um, the Colts, I mean, their secondary kind of look like the you know the drummers from Spinal Tap, if you remember that movie. I mean, they were just I'm dropping like flies. <laughs> they were just dropping like flies. So um, I think Trevor Simeon is definitely someone to keep an eye on. 
the the you know the the Bronco wide receivers though it looks like it's going to be a running team that leans heavily on C.J. Anderson. He looked really good. He looked like the guy from the end of the season rather than the early part of last season, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he got 20 carries, so that was extremely good, almost five uh, yards per carry, so you got to like that as well. I'm not too sure if they really lean on him too much in this game, to be honest with you. Um, plus, you couple that with the big game, a lot of people are going to be on him, and like you were talking about, the GPPs, you don't really want to be on the same guy that everyone else is going to be on, especially if you don't expect a uh, great game out of him. Yeah, it, it's again, um, this show is more about kind of setting the table than it is about me or you kind of saying, well, he, he, this is the guy we're going to play or not play. But it will be interesting, you know, any time a guy gets a workload like that, he's someone I'll consider and you'll have to tune in to one of the later shows this week to find out uh, final thoughts. Um, on, on, the, um, Den- on the Carolina side of the ball, it was obviously disappointing to lose again to the team they lost to in the Super Bowl. But one thing jumped out at everyone in Twitter land, and that was the return of the much-abused Kelvin Benjamin Um, There was a couple guys this year when I was doing my MFL 10s that I faded, but something in the back of my head kept tickling at me, and Benjamin was one of them. Uh, I know that there was a lot of good football numbers and numbers guys who didn't like him, but boy, he looked pretty good playing against the tough Broncos team, didn't he? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you couldn't really ask for more um, from him. He was targeted a lot, so you definitely know that Cam really likes him. I missed all of last season. So I think he's in a great spot this entire year. Um, Going forward next week against the Niners, definitely. uh, Not saying he's a must-play, but there's definitely a lot of opportunity. And just just going forward, there's a lot of opportunity, especially if Cam continues to go towards him. Um, Twelve targets was a lot. And then you even look at the tight end, Greg Olson. He had nine. Both these guys, they had 21 of the – 31 targets that Cam looked at. So, I don't know. I like both those guys. I think maybe he looked at them a little bit too much just because the Colts defense, uh, the uh, Broncos defense is tough um, and knew that he could rely on those guys. So, maybe going forward, they don't see as much of a workload. Um, but I definitely think they're still in line for a lot of work, regardless if it's as much as it was in week one. Yep, I agree. I agree completely, and I think that um, the other guy that is kind of polarizing on the Panthers, you know, that's the great thing about Twitter and, and, and people's human nature. They either want to elevate people based off one game or bury them. And the guy that was buried in this game was Devin Funches. He only had about 13% of the target share. He wasn't on the field that much. But I, I'm not ready to shovel dirt on him yet. How about you? No, absolutely not. Um, I really think this whole game going against the Broncos was all about for Cam Newton, just guys he felt comfortable with. You know that Olsen last year was his number one. And even before that, when Benjamin was in his rookie year, he looked at him a ton. So he definitely has a good rapport with both those guys. And I think same with Funches. I mean, he only saw four targets, but I think you have a little bit of lesser defense next week, and Cam's a little bit – he's able to spread the ball a little bit more around than what uh, he was able to do this past week. Yep, 
And against the Niners, I think, um, you know, the Carolina team will show its true colors, uh, and it would surprise me if the 49ers were able to do much offensively against that Carolina defense. Moving to the next game, it is the Texans and the Bears. The Texans won the game 23-14, to and you were surprised that Jay Cutler only threw one interception. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at Jay Cutler, and he's always in the top five or so picks. And this Texans defense, I know they got a a good uh, rush up front. I just thought they were going to add a little bit more chaos to Jay Cutler's day. But that wasn't the case. I mean, they still had a decent day uh, overall. Um, But I'm not really here to talk about defenses. (laughs) Well, you know, one guy who uh, a certain – guy named Mike Clay is going to have to play defense on is Jeremy Langford. Not that he played all that well, but boy, he is the guy that is going to get all the alarms. Oh, wait, no, that's you. We're going to – Nick is recording from prison. Um, yeah. Little known fact. So, so no, no worries. Yep. One Adam 12. One I, Adam I think 12. we're done now. I think we're done. Yep. Okay. So uh, Jeremy Langford getting a tremendous amount. I mean, he was the only guy. Um, even though he is he's inefficient, but he's not a two. So what do we do with a guy like that who's inefficient, but still getting a full workload? I mean, it's a tough thing. It's really going to be matchup dependent. Um, I just... I personally was very disappointed um, from his outing. I feel like he should have done a lot better. But at the end of the day, it wasn't the worst in the world. And if he's going to see that type of workload, uh, if he's he's available, doubtful. um, But you might as well try to give him a shot. I I mean, you look at him, and if he's able to get 17 carries again, 20 carries, I, I think he's not in a bad spot. Yeah, I don't know against the Eagles next week if that's where I'll look. The Eagles, I think, are going to have a very underrated defense this year without having to play at Chip Kelly's pace from last year. Um, Interesting also to finish up with the Bears. Their two main targets were uh, Jeffries and Kevin White. Jeffries did amazing in the first half, and then just they didn't get him the ball in the second half. And Kevin White looked like what he was, a, a, a raw guy who missed his rookie year. Absolutely. I, I think that's going to be a huge uh, downfall for Alshon this year. I know he's going to get his workload um, almost every week, but you look at what Kevin White really brings to the table, he could do a lot of things. And who knows, maybe Cutler gets more comfortable with him. Um, you look at Jeffries, he had that 54-yard uh, long uh, catch. So that really kind of, if you took that out, he really doesn't have that good of a day, um, only 50 or so yards. So I don't know, it's, it's kind of a touch-and-go thing. If I was playing in, say, a season-long league and someone wanted to give me the world for Alshon Jeffries, I probably would accept it. Um, but I'm just not that comfortable with him right now. Yeah, I, I think, again, he'll be matchup dependent. Um, you know, if if they have um, a, a, a plus matchup, I think he could be sneaky. 
and a guy who kind of rose from the dead after another injury full year. I think he only has really good years on leap years, and that's Eddie Royal, got 21.4% of the target share. Um, he's a guy that you're going to have to consider for bye weeks as a as a streaming wide receiver if this continues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he definitely sees a decent amount of targets. Um, I'm personally just waiting to kind of see how this all gels and develops first, especially with uh, Jeffries and uh, Kevin White there. Um, but, yeah, sneaky-wise, you can kind of throw him in, and he, he could have a decent outing. Yep. All right, so we're going to move on to the Texans. They were the winners, 23-14. to 14. They get a tough matchup against the Chiefs next week. Um, what did you think about Brock? And what did you think about the fact that his number one target was not DeAndre Hopkins, but the rookie Will Fuller? Yeah, it was really weird. I mean, you expect every time it would be Hopkins. Um, you look last year, and the plethora of QBs that they had, they went to Hopkins every single time. And it was just really a shock to me thinking that uh, Hopkins was going to have a good day when it was really fuller. Oh, yeah. and But, you know, Fuller's got game. He's got speed. He, can, he seemingly can do about everything. I think he's a real rookie of the year candidate on offense. And, uh, you know, those people who were fading Hopkins in the early first round, they have ammunition to say that they were right. Last year, Hopkins had two receivers who weren't very good with him. And Fuller and and even Braxton Miller, they both add a lot to what Houston can do. I think Houston is my underdog pick to go to the Super Bowl this year. And if they're going to do it, they're going to do a lot of it on the back of one Lamar Miller. They said they were going to give him a full workload. We wondered what Miller would do with a full workload. And, boy, he sure got a full workload, didn't he? Absolutely. I mean, he basically did whatever uh, they asked him to do, and he was really productive. So I I definitely like him um, going forward. Yeah, I mean, he was my number one running back owned percentage-wise in week one. And I think that, you know, I think he's got one of those weeks coming up where he gets three touchdowns and 200 total yards. He showed that kind of explosion when he was in Miami. The one interesting thing was he didn't play as well in the second half as he did in the first. So you wonder if he becomes more inefficient after a certain amount of carries, and that might be why Miami never gave him that much. We're going to find out as we move forward. Moving on to our third game, it's the Packers versus and, – and by the way, folks, I apologize a little bit for the sound. It's my fault. I forgot to copy Nick on when I set up the show as a co-host, so he's sitting there, like I said, at a police station payphone doing this episode. So um, just bear with us. We're going to get this together, and next week with the sound, I promise, will be a lot better. Um, all right, so Packers and Jags. Uh, we'll start with the Jags. Uh, A-Rob, Allen Robinson, had a ton of targets, but he really didn't do a ton with them. Huge game for Julius Thomas. Uh, what were your thoughts on those wide receivers? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was Green Bay Packers defense, and they're so-so. They have their good moments, but they kind of got uh, kind of got handed to them a little bit uh, at times. Um, you look obviously at Allen Robinson, 15 targets, and that was just insane. The sad part is he was just so inefficient uh, when he had those opportunities. So there's a little downside um, for me because obviously last year he was so good almost every single week. So it was a little sad, but who knows? Going forward, I think that's definitely going to change. Um, and then you do look at Thomas, and he caught all five passes. Uh, I mean, it, it's a tough thing for um, Thomas to teach too much just because there is Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns. They still have the backup uh Mercedes Lewis there, so I just think there's a lot of guys who typically want and need the ball, um, and I just don't think there's too many guys there who will really uh, have it. Yep, and the one guy who actually got the second most targets was T.J. Yeldon, and with the mystery illness to Chris Ivory, we're going to have to keep tabs on that. Because if T.J. Yeldon is getting all the the running and he's also going to get 15% of the targets, he's obviously someone we're going to have to own. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there. A little concerning, though, just his uh, longest run uh, this past week was only seven. So I know we saw a heavy workload, but they they didn't really uh, produce too much. Yeah, that offensive line hasn't done much. And to be honest, You know, I didn't draft a lot of him because I thought it was going to be a timeshare with Ivory, which is what it turned out to be. Um, And he really hasn't, you know, a lot of people are on Yeldon, and I liked him too coming out, but he pretty much is doing what he has to do, but he's not doing anything exceptional. So he really kind of, needs to, you know, do more and be more efficient. So next week they play the Chargers, though, who have a terrible run defense. So definitely Yeldon's on my radar for this week. My question is, who do you think Verrett covers? He's the smaller cornerback, but he's clearly their best cornerback. Do you think they put him on Allen Robinson and try and shut him down, or do you think they just stick him on a corner and let him do his thing? Because, you know, Alan Hearns is no slouch. Yeah, absolutely. I think most of us wish he would go on Alan Hearns so we could uh, get a lot of shares of Alan Robinson. Too many Allens in this team. I'm getting confused. But um, I think he'll be all over Alan Robinson. I don't think it will do much uh, against Robinson. And probably Robinson will have a, a much better uh, game than he did in week one. So I definitely like him there. And, again, if uh, Brett's not on Alan Hearns, I think he's a sneaky play just because – I mean, he still had the most yards out of any of those uh, guys on this Jaguars team. It wasn't a lot, but he saw a big play for 38, and you know Blake Bortles can really throw it down the field. Yep, no doubt about that. Um, On the other side of the ball, the Packers, you know, I really wasn't ready to jump right back on the Packers are going to be this dominant offense I think everyone laid the blame for their bad performance last year on no Jordy Nelson. But previously, I I like to think that Aaron Rodgers would have succeeded even without his number one. You know, the, the whole offense just didn't look that good last year. 
And they struggled at times in this game. They put up a decent amount of points. But I wasn't overly impressed with what I saw out of the Packers so far. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at Jaguars' defense. You thought they were going to easily score 30-plus, 35 points or so. And they really just kind of muddled their feet a little bit and just basically got 27. And it wasn't that pretty. I mean, you have all the weapons out there with uh, Jordy Nelson back. And even you mentioned on Cobb, um, I think him taking a back seat might affect him a little bit. Uh, but he, even Devontae Adams, he still had seven targets. So, I don't know, I think it might take some time for this whole offense to kind of gel out just a little bit. Um, you look at last year, and, and Richard Rodgers was a, was a huge part to that offense, mainly because he didn't have Jordy Nelson. And he only saw uh, a couple of targets in this matchup, caught one ball. So, I don't know, I think it's just going to take some time for this team to really uh, find out who they are. Yep, and Eddie Lacy wasn't quite as fat, but he still was pretty bulky. He did get the majority of the workload, but he wasn't, you know, he didn't look great, let's face it. And um, they're really going to need to have him play better if they want to take some of the pressure off of the passing game. The guy that really surprised me that I had in a lot of leagues who only got a couple targets was Jared Cook. Um, he, they really seemed to look to him in the preseason, and he was in with all Rodgers' snaps. But Richard Rodgers got a lot of run, and Cook kind of disappeared. It was, it was frustrating. Um, do you think Cook will bounce back, that it was a game script thing, or do you think uh, it's just going to be frustrating for Jared Cook owners this year? It might just be a frustrating year, to be honest with you. Um, coming to the team, and you look at Richard Rodgers, who, who really had a nice rapport with uh, Aaron last year. So, I don't know. He might be the odd man out. Only time will tell. Um, I think he, he might be worth uh, picking up if he's available, just to stash him on your team. But at this point, clearly all the uh, focus on the offense was uh, Jordy uh, Cobb and Devontae Adams. Yep, and Devontae Adams, I'm glad you brought him up. Devontae Adams uh, was, the, was the second guy that I was talking about that every time I passed him in the 17th or 18th or 19th round in MFL 10s, a little bird was in the back of my head saying, he could do it, he could do it, and I just always seemed to take someone else. Uh, but Devontae Adams made a great catch on that touchdown and I think we faded Devontae to our own hurt, those of us who did it. So we're going to move on to the next game. Um, the next game is the Bucks and the Falcons. I watched a good bit of that game. The number one thing that jumped out at me, to my horror, because I, I have a decent amount of them, was that Coleman and Freeman – Looked like they're in a running back by committee, and I really had thought it was going to be two-thirds, one-third Freeman, and they are now starting to get Coleman targets, and he looked better with them than Freeman did. Uh, looks like a full-blown running back by committee, wouldn't you say? No, absolutely. Coleman, eight carries, Devontae Freeman, 11. Um, but when you look at it, none of them are able to get more than 22 yards in all those uh, carries, so not really too sure if uh, I really want to be taking bets on either one of them right now. Uh, we're probably going to wait for a big game uh, like we did early on in the year when Freeman just completely obliterated everyone. 
but at this point, I, I really kind of torn between each guy because they both have potential. And you look, like you said, Coleman was uh, definitely targeted in the passing game. And for DFS, that would definitely help you. But at this point, it's really hard to figure out which one is going to have the consistent, uh, consistent runs and consistent targets. Yep, and they, they've said they're going to ride the hot hand, and nothing is worse than playing a guy, and it's not his week to have the hot hand, and you're sitting there watching the game, and, and Coleman's in the game all, the, all game. So um, that was interesting to me. Julio Jones dinged his ankle again. Mohamed Sanu dinged his again, his at the end of the game. But, boy, Sanu... Those guys who were saying that he was going to be the guy, number two, a lot of targets, uh, he played really well, and um, he looks like uh, a fourth or fifth round pick more than a a 13th or 14th where he was being drafted most of the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. I can agree with you more. Um, I think we're at a point with uh, Matt Ryan where he's really trying to – go away from just focusing on Julio Jones right now and giving it to basically everyone, not just the new, but like we already talked about, Coleman was tied for the most reception, had a lot of targets. And even Jacob Tammy, he saw a, a decent amount of targets uh, tied for the most on the team. So I think Matt Ryan, he has a lot of weapons um, compared to last year when he really only had Julio Jones. Yep. Tammy and Sanu and Julio all had 21.0% of the targets. They each got eight. Tevin Coleman got six. Freeman got four. They get a much better matchup, especially for the run game this week. Um, but against the Raiders, well, maybe not much better, but better because the Bucks have a very good run defense. But, again, I don't know other than, you know, Sanu if he's healthy. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that, you know, I guess Julio I'll look at i got to see how, how his uh, injury looks. Uh, moving on to the Bucks, Jameis Winston, another guy who I really hadn't done much with in the offseason. Um, they, they upped the tempo a bit. He seems to be playing very well with it, and he had a big game. Yeah, absolutely. I highlighted um, this game in my road of his article this past week, and it was a game that I really thought was going to be high score, and I just uh, – my point of view, thought the Bucks were not going to come on top of uh, Falcons, but the last they did, and uh, I was pretty impressed by uh, Winston. Uh, had four touchdowns, and he uh, completed 23 or 33 passes. Uh, the yards per pass wasn't that great, but hey, when you're throwing touchdowns like that, uh, for fantasy-wise, both in DFS and uh, weekly leagues, you, you don't really mind uh, not that many yards. No, and... Uh... And again, uh, that was the one of the two games that I really focused on. I faded the New Orleans game against uh, the Raiders for the most part because I thought it would have high ownership, which it did. Um, but um, this game was it still ended up 31-24, and that's a lot of offense. Um, the one other thing on the Bucks that I thought was very interesting was Vincent Jackson. I think the, the the hourglass has just kind of run out on this guy. Uh, again, not looking that good. But Mike Evans stood up and played very well. Coach came out and said they need to get him the ball more. 
Mike Evans is definitely someone I'm going to look at this week, although they've got a very tough matchup with the Cardinals. Moving on to the next game on our schedule, I was trying to watch this game. I got that NFL Sunday, uh, the NFL package on NFL.com where you can get the 30-minute games. And the Bills and the Ravens was kind of a snore fest. The Bills only ran 45 offensive plays. And after the game, Sammy Watkins complaining, my foot hurts, my foot hurts. And everyone freaked out. He's not going to be deactivated at this point. He's going to try and play through it. But the big question on Twitter is, obviously you can't trust Watkins, but what does that do for Tyrod Taylor and is it time to cut bait on him as your second quarterback in uh, season-long leagues and look to the waiver wire? Or is it just one week and you got to see what he can do? Uh, I don't even want to talk about this game at all. It was just really awful. Uh, but I kind of agree with you. I, I think it's a snap judgment on Tyrod Taylor, but I, I'm not a fan of it at all. I mean, he had his moments last year, but just at the end of the year, he wasn't the best. And seeing this game, it just really turns me away from him. And I know it was against the Ravens, who typically have a tough defense. But to be honest, I just, I don't know. I think uh, this is one where you kind of can just cut the ties. I know it's early, but let him go. Yep. Um, The one thing that was also very obvious in that game is that they're going to ride or die with uh, LaShawn McCoy. He's getting a ton of volume, and anybody who's getting a ton of volume, especially in an offense that is being perceived as not being very good, uh, LaShawn McCoy is probably going to be fairly low-owned this week considering how much volume he's going to get. On the other side of the ball, the Ravens shocked everyone by only playing two running backs. Neither one of them did too much. Um, And then you've got, what, like eight receivers looking for for work. Uh, Dennis Pitta being back. Um, It's really hard. You know, we all know that they can do something in Baltimore. But what do you do with these guys? Yeah, that's a tough situation. I mean, out of that entire uh, receiving core, Mike Wallace was the best guy by far. So, I don't know. It's – really tough to make a lot out of this. You look at Steve Smith, and maybe he's at the end of his career, obviously, and maybe this is just one season that he's hung on too long for. Yep, and you got to give him a couple games to, you know, I mean, he had a really serious injury, and if there's one guy I'm never going to cut count out, it's Steve Smith. But again, you know, when you're looking for DFS or even season-long, you want to you want the guys who have regular workloads more than you want talent at most positions. And at running back and at wide receiver on this team, there's just more questions than answers at this point, and it's a situation that I'm going to be passing on, especially for the Bills with another tough uh opponent in the Jets this week. But boy, the Ravens going up against the Browns uh, if you do figure out who's going to get the touches, you could really do something because that Browns defense is awful. Yeah, absolutely. 
DFS purposes, if you're doing maybe a stack, you could go with Wallace, Smith, and Flacco, and I don't know. You look at those, and both those guys got 15 targets combined, even though they didn't really uh, convert too much. Uh, I still think they're pretty good options uh, against this um, matchup against the Browns. Yep. And Kamar Aiken, who everyone was drafting in the eighth, ninth round, and I was kind of fading almost completely. That's one it looks like I got right. He was definitely the number three there. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Next game, the Vikings 25, the Titans 16. A little, a little misleading here because the Vikings got two touchdowns with their defense, which kind of threw out the game. Uh, Sean Hill, 1833, 236. You think at some point Sam Bradford gets the call? Um, I think, you know, probably this week and if not next. Uh, what do you think that Sam Bradford is going to bring to this team? Um, I mean, obviously, if they replace uh, Sean Hill with Bradford, they hope that he, he'd do uh, a lot more than that 18 for 33. I mean, Sean Hill just didn't really do much. Uh, he was just kind of there, and it just really uh, stunk that AP. He looked bad, too. So I don't know how they scored 25 points. Um, like you said, came in at the end, um, and the defense helped them out a bunch. So you got to rely on that. But I don't think that's going to happen too often, especially against teams that aren't the Tennessee Titans. Um, so I think when Sam Bradford does get the call, uh might not be this week, but it could be – sometime soon, and I think he could put up some big numbers, uh, but he just needs to get some work with the wide receivers first to kind of have a good rapport with that. Most people seem to think that the trade for Sam Bradford was a mistake, that they gave up too much, but I thought Bradford had played pretty well in Philadelphia uh, in the preseason, getting back to a normal offense after being stuck in an offense with Chip Kelly that clearly didn't fit him. Um, so I really think that Sam Bradford is actually an upgrade on Teddy Bridgewater. I'm just not a big Bridgewater truther. I, I, I think that they try and mothball him to, to, to game manage. And I could see them opening it up a little bit more, which would help AP as well. Um, what do you think about that whole – you think Bradford is better than Teddy Bridgewater, even to Teddy Bridgewater, or worse? Well, definitely now that Bridgewater can't even uh, stand for the most part. Um, but yeah, I think Bradford... <laughs> well, obviously now. But is is Bradford enough uh, an upgrade on if Bridgewater was healthy? Yeah, yeah. I think some people are just so upset with Sam Bradford over the past what five six years, ever since he came into the NFL, that regardless of what he does, is not going to be enough for someone. And I think you look at the weapons that uh, he could be given here. You got Stefan Diggs as well um, as uh, Kyle Rudolph. I think he has a lot of potential here. Um, he has a lot of experience. He hasn't done too great in his experience, but he has shown um, some life when he's gotten the call. I just don't know how much of an upgrade it is. Um, obviously, for this year, it was a necessity to get someone like Bradford. Sean Hill really just doesn't do it. Uh, so I definitely think uh, Bradford, when he when he does get the call, he's he's in a good spot. Yep, 
And the one guy who I think really proved himself that he can do it with just about anyone is Stefan Diggs. He's my number one owned wide receiver along with Philip Dorsett for uh, MFL 10s. And, it, you know, a lot of people, not just me, thought he'd be the breakout wide receiver this year. And he did nothing to dispel that this week, did he? No, absolutely. I mean, over 100 yards for a guy uh, catching the ball from Sean Hill. I mean, you couldn't really ask for too much more out of him. So I definitely think Diggs going forward is definitely a top guy. Um, going back on that Bradford thing, though, what else was Minnesota going to do when uh, Bridgewater went down? I mean, it's not like there's a bunch of available 2Bs out there that they could get. Well, I mean, they could have stuck with Sean Hill. But, you know, again, did they overpay for Bradford? There's no doubt they did. But they've got a team that's capable of going a long way. And I think they owed it to themselves to try and get a quarterback like Bradford And the second part of that, which is what I think most people forget, is that if Bradford plays really well and Bridgewater comes back healthy, which based on that knee injury he had is no guarantee, well, let's say you get, you know, if Bradford plays well, what do you get for him next year? He's still young. Teams will have been overpaying like crazy for uh, quarterbacks. I'm not convinced that if if he comes, if he plays well, that they don't get at least a second-round pick and maybe a first-round pick back because he's got another year on his contract. So I'm not nearly as down on the move as some people are. No, absolutely. The biggest risk, though, is if Bradford gets hurt, then you basically just wasted it. But I kind of agree with you there. I mean, you look at it. They were in such a big bind. It was the week before uh, week one when Bridgewater went down and like you said, they, they owed it to their fan base. Um, you don't really want to make a lot of trades based on that. But when you're going into a potential uh, season where you have so much hype, you lose your starting QB, you kind of got to do something. The last note from the Vikings is that Kyle Rudolph got a lot more targets than he has in the past. And I think that uh, – I think let – me, let me look that up real quick. Kyle Rudolph, who has a lot of talent, always has, got 24.2% of the target share. If that continues, um, I mean, he wasn't that efficient, four for eight, uh, for 65 yards. But uh, he's a guy that's probably on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues, uh, a guy that you can keep an eye on. Um, My other question, and I know we're spending a lot of time on the Vikings, but we won't spend much time on uh, Tennessee, is if AP keeps playing bad, you know, Jarek McKinnon, is is he going to start seeing the field more? So we'll have to keep an eye on that. We'll move on to the next game. Oh, wait, we got to do the Titans. I said we weren't going to do much, but I, 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 I didn't want to completely avoid him. Why don't you talk about Tajay Sharp and what you saw out of him, if you think it's going to continue and how Marcus Mariota looked, too. Yeah, Mariota was kind of okay. He didn't really do too much. Um, I think there's still a lot of promise in his arm, and I think if he goes up against a little bit different defense, uh, like he has this week against the Lions, I think he should do okay. And, and uh, yeah, I think Sharp is clearly his number one target, and he's falling in love with him. He had the 
most targets out of anyone, um, and he was pretty efficient too, seven of eleven. So I definitely think uh, he's in line for a lot of uh, work these uh, upcoming weeks. Uh, for DFS purposes, I just think he's going to be highly owned. So unless you're playing him in cash, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be worth it for GPPs. Going um, into that Lion game, you know, Mariota last year went into New Orleans on the fast track and won some people GPPs. I don't think it'll be as easy to do it uh, against the Lions, who have a better secondary, but I wouldn't be surprised if he put up 25, 30 points next week either in a game that I think they're going to need him to to do a lot more because I think the Lions are going to put up some points. We move on to the Browns and the Eagles. And my only takeaway on the Browns, other than Robert Griffin getting hurt, and by the way, do you think that R.G. Shoulder has as much of a niche kind of saying as R.G. Knee? Uh, Probably, yeah, so... I mean, I, I, I always me. like calling him R.G. Knee, but somehow I can't get into R.G. shoulder. Um, look, the Browns, they're playing money ball. They're looking for draft picks. They got rid of all their veterans. You know, if they were a fantasy team, they'd be penalized for tanking. Um, the only bright spot to me was uh, uh, Crowell. He played very well. And with McCown coming back, hopefully it gets that passing game going. Um, on the Eagles, Carson Wentz played very, very well, but it was against the Browns. So was it the Browns or was it Carson Wentz or was it a combination, um, Nick? I think it was kind of a combination, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, Wentz is still young, uh, clearly, his first game, so I think he's got a lot to uh, learn and I think that'll come, but you look at that Cleveland defense, and they were awful. Um, it also helps that they have guys like Jordan Matthews, who's able to uh, to do uh, a lot of damage. Yep, and Jordan Matthews looked good. Uh, if you didn't know, Zach Ertz has a displaced rib, a high rib, and he might be out for a few weeks. Trey Burton is a guy, if you need a tight end, uh, who people are very high on. And um, if you need a tight end, he definitely would be a guy that I would recommend you look at on waivers this week. And Matthews, the other Matthews, Ryan Matthews, the guy's going to get a lot of work. I played a lot of him this week. He didn't have a huge week. But he's another guy I think that you're going to have to look at in GPPs. Yeah, absolutely. Last year, uh, you looked at this Eagles offense, and the running game had three guys who could have had a good game. Um, now one of them's gone. He's in Tennessee, and Darren Sproles just is a guy who's really not going to see much uh, that it looks like this year um, without Chip Kelly. So I definitely like Matthews. They're more of a traditional offense now, and uh, they can do a lot of things, especially in the running game. Moving on to the Bengals and the Jets. Boy, the tough, tough loss for the Jets. Um, and we already kind of covered A.J. Green and his, you know, ridiculous amount of targets. Um, they just don't have anyone else to throw the ball to that you can trust right now. 
No, absolutely. You look at this team and uh, Sanu left, Marvin Jones left, and it's a completely different offense from last year. Uh, 13 targets for A.J. Green. He caught 12 of those. That is very impressive. Um, and I hate even saying it, uh, Brandon LaFell looked pretty decent, had a big 49-yarder. So I think there was a lot of big plays against this Jets secondary that uh, that might not be the same as they used to. Uh, talking about Revis, he He's uh, gotten a little bit older up there, uh, and I just don't know if it's the same defense we uh, come to expect. Well, they get Sheldon Richardson back this week. That's bound to help. Um, the, the guy that they drafted, Williams, in the first round last year had a monster game. And uh, But as far as the Bengals go, they go into a war in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. The rematch of that horrendous playoff game with all the penalties and the fighting. Um, I, you know, I, they, they underperformed. Both teams underperformed offensively in these matchups last year. It'll be interesting to see. You know there's going to be a lot of high ownership on this game, and I'm just not sure I'm going to be diving in. More to say on that later in the week. The Jets, the Jets, Everyone assumed that Marshall and Decker were going to be the only two main targets, and everyone assumed, based on the news, that Matt Forte was going to be in a full-blown committee with Bilal Powell. Turned out that neither were the case. Quincy Inua, who I knew the Jets were very high on, got a touchdown. He's good in the red zone. If he's going to continue to get red zone looks, how much value does that take out of Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall for fantasy? And is it something you're worried about, Nick? A little bit. Uh, Anuo, like you said, he's looked at a lot. And I think for Brandon Marshall, he is more of a deep guy. Um, so I'm not too concerned when Brian Fitzgerald needs to go deep. That's who he looks to. I think Anuo might steal a few of those. But at the same time, it's still Brandon Marshall's team. He's still the number one wideout. Uh, my concern, though, is Eric Decker. He's typically a possession guy, um, and he only caught two of the seven passes. So he was still there with the targets, but he just wasn't able to convert anything. Um, and he's a guy that uh, Fitzgerald likes to look at down near the red zone. And if that's going to Anua, you've got to be concerned about how much play. I know he did get a touchdown, but you still got to be concerned uh, going forward. Absolutely. Uh, I'm downgrading both of them definitely. Um, they get a tough matchup with the Bills next week. A uh, little revenge for getting knocked out of the playoffs. Uh, Matt Forte was a guy I drafted a lot early, and I kind of got talked out of late. And now I'm kicking myself because it seemed like he was getting the lion's share of both of, of what you would expect Matt Forte to get against Bill Alpau. And, you know, sometimes the hype doesn't live up to the reality, and it looks like in this case the hype and the reality were not matched. All right, moving on yeah. to – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to add to that. Forte really was the main guy, and uh, he was who uh, we thought he was going to be when he gets the 20-plus carries. He was pretty efficient, too, just didn't get a touchdown. Yeah, he's still Matt Forte. Um, the Jets haven't been good in the, you know, they throw the ball a lot in the red zone, so we'll have to see how many touches he gets. But if he's catching five or six passes and getting 20 carries, 
um, you know, he's going to have a big week one of these weeks. Uh, it'll be Absolutely. interesting to see if that timeshare continues the way it was or if we start seeing more of Powell. Uh, you know, again, it's very easy in week one to jump to conclusions and run to conclusions. But, you know, these teams, they game plan for their opponents. And there's no guarantee that the guy who got a lot of the workload one week will get it the second week. And if you have two, three weeks where it's it's consistent, then you can say it's a trend. Until then, we're all still kind of guessing a bit. Uh, moving on to the Raiders and the Saints, this one just turned into what everyone thought it would. It turned into an exciting game, Jack Del Rio making the tough decision and then mocking everyone on Twitter that doubted him. Um, it kind of blew up what was a huge game for Drew Brees and for Brandon Cooks. Don't even forget about Willie Sneed, too. He had a big game, especially the EFS purposes. He had nine catches, so yep. uh, PPR leagues and uh, DraftKings, he had huge monster numbers, um, had the most yards on the team as well. So, obviously, that 98 uh, bomb from uh, to Brandon Cooks is definitely going to stand out. But Willie Sneed, uh, he, he was kind of a surprise. Yeah, the question on Cooks, you know, I love him for MFL 10s because he has games like this week. You know, but last year he would follow up a lot of times games like this with games where he mostly disappeared. Do you think he's going to be more consistent this year, or do you just think that he's the type of guy, uh, a lot like Deshaun Jackson, who's going to have these games where he goes ham, followed by weeks where you barely know he's on the field? Yeah, absolutely. To me, he's one of those uh, lightning in a bottle kind of guys. you got to strike them all. He's hot, and you just never know when he's going to be. But he's definitely worth giving a shot, obviously, if you're doing head-to-head, season-long leads leagues uh he's sort of worth having in only if it's a good matchup and then for dfs i mean if you're doing a lot of gpps and they're going up against a uh bad defense you have to have him in at least a couple of those yeah and the raiders upgraded their secondary so it was a little surprising what they were able to do um you know uh, the, the cj spiller didn't play. He was a surprise inactive, and tra- uh, Traveris Cadet got uh, a nice number of targets. He's a waiver wire guy this week. And then they followed up by cutting C.J. Spiller. So he's on the waiver wire. It'll be interesting to see if he ends up somewhere and if he truly has anything left. Uh, he didn't look too bad in preseason, but, you know, preseason is preseason. Um for the Raiders, both of the big wide receivers had a heavy workload. The big question there is, how much do you trust Latavius Murray? Do you worry about Richard? He had that big run. DeAndre Washington's there. I mean, Latavius Murray should have big games, but he never seems to, does he? No, he's um, to me, he's a consistent guy for, like, cash games. But he doesn't really have those huge, huge outings. Uh, he had a nice game, like he does in most weeks. But 
he's just kind of there, and he's a solid runner. Um, but like you said, he does have a little bit of competition, and if he goes cold, uh, we saw it last year where there was a few games where he just was forgot about on the offense. And with the weapons that Derek Carr has, uh, sometimes they just need to throw it. Well, one guy who did hardly anything in week one, who I will own a decent amount of in week two, G, uh, GPP, Kobe Fleener. Fleener is another one of those boomer bust types, but the Giants just are horrible against the tight ends. I'm a Giant fan. You know, their safeties are awful. Their linebackers are awful. Um, you know, they're aggressive on D at times, opening up holes in the defense. I, I'm going to have a ton of Kobe Fleener this week. You know, like, there's too many guys out there um, that uh, Drew Brees is uh, going to be distracted with and might not throw to Kobe Fleener? I think that 15% or so of my GPPs will have Kobe Fleener this week. His upside against the Giants' defense is immense, even on the road. And I have very few firm rules in DFS, but for now, one of those rules is play tight ends against the Giants. I had 15% of Jason Witten, and originally I had no Witten going halfway through the week because I thought, it's Jason Witten. He, it's, or it's the ghost of Jason Witten, I guess is a better way of putting it. And, um, but, he, you know, he wasn't very efficient with his 13 targets, but he got 13 targets, and I like to think it's because they knew that the Giants can't cover tight ends. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with you there. And the good thing about Fleener, too, for GPP is he'll, he'll be very low-owned. So I think uh, even though he only had the one catch, um yeah, I guess I can see playing. I, I, I hope you're right. I tried to argue with people that he was overowned. You know, I know a lot of really smart people, and and look, you know, uh, Evan Silva was right on Forte, and I kind of was passing on him at the end, and he was going back to him once he was dropping to the fourth, fifth round, and I know he was super high on Fleener. He wasn't the only one, but Fleener was just always so inconsistent. Um, I kept telling everyone, you know, why take Fleener in the sixth round when you can get Dwayne Allen in the tenth? Splitting those two up is 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 a boon for both of them. And Dwayne Allen is a you know a big touchdown guy. So uh, we'll get to that in a, a couple minutes when we get to the Colts. Anything else jump out at you on the Raiders and the Saints? Um, their matchup next week, or are you ready to move on to the next game? I'm ready to move on to the next game, but I will say that the uh, Raiders, they're very impressive, and I think, uh, again, against uh, kind of a weak defense, they should have another good game, especially at home. Yep, they're playing the Atlanta Falcons this week, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. All right, so we're moving on to the Chargers and the Chiefs. Nick, how did the Chargers lose this game? I have no idea, um, but obviously that defense uh, just isn't that good. And they had a huge lead, and all of a sudden it just went away. Chiefs in the fourth quarter uh, came back and then won it in OT. So I was pretty impressed uh, how Alex Smith was able to just have so many attempts, um, nearly 50. So uh, 
just a, a big throwing game um, from Smith. And even Ware, he looked pretty good. He had 11 uh, attempts and was targeted a lot uh, in the receiving core as well. Yep. And, um, the, you know, I like the Jaguars. I think they've improved that defense. I think that whole team is going to be better. Um, the big news out of this game, the loss of Keenan Allen, uh, blown ACL, and it's just going to be filled by a bunch of guys, and we're going to have to figure out who those guys are. Um, if you faded the chalk and Spencer Ware, it was a mistake. Um, I've got him in SFB 480 as a late pick, and that that certainly was a nice thing to have. It, I've already heard that uh, Jamal Charles will probably not play week two, and uh, I guess that's a rant for another day about drafting injured guys the, the following year in the second round. Um, any comments on the Chiefs and the big comeback? Alex Smith uh, had a huge game. I heard a few people talking about picking him up in redraft. I don't know. He's still Alex Smith to me. Do you get excited over the one game, Nick, or do you think that it's something that is going to continue and this is the new Alex Smith? Yeah, I've never, ever got excited about Alex Smith, and I'm not about to start. So uh, kind of avoiding him. If anything, I'm more excited just to see that he was able to have so many uh, attempts and target so many different receivers that – uh, I don't mind kind of deploying guys like Macklin and Kelsey. Uh, their price is uh, pretty good. Yep, and you wanted to talk a quick bit about Chris Conley. Um, he's a guy that I did draft in some MFL 10s late. Wish I had done more. He got seven targets. Um, your friends over at Rotoviz got to love this guy based on his body type, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at him, and he was able to catch four of those seven passes, had a decent average. Um, going forward, I, I kind of like him. I am a little hesitant overall in a matchup against the Texans next week um, in Houston. But after next week, I, I think uh, as long as the matchup's favorable, I kind of like this offense. All right. So moving on to the Dolphins and the Seahawks. Both teams kind of sucked on offense, let's be honest. The Seahawks really disappointed. A couple of highlights. Um, Landry getting a ton of targets. Arian Foster, even though he can't run, getting um, a good amount of business from receiving. Do you think, based on his receiving alone, is Arian Foster worth picking up um, in DFS this week? They, they're playing the Patriots. No, not really. Um, I know he did get a lot of targets, five. But you look at Landry is the number one option uh, basically all the time. And they still have Kenny Stills there. Jordan Cameron can get some action. Uh, so I'm really not too sold on Arian Foster. He's another guy who has a lot of injury concern. Um, but when we're talking about just one game against the Pats, uh, they were able to keep uh, that offense of the Cardinals in check. So, I don't really think there's a lot to like out of Foster uh, in this upcoming matchup. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think there's better places to go. All right, over to the Seahawks. Very disappointing overall. One guy who, again, played very well, was a bit of a target monster. One of my favorite guys to draft this year in um, season-long 
based on where he was going was Doug Baldwin. The, the knock on him was that it wasn't sustainable with the touchdowns. But he, he caught 47 passes the second half of the year, and he started out with nine today. Um, I mean, to me, it's a trend, but other people disagree. Where do you come down on the Doug Baldwin discussion? Uh, if Jimmy Graham isn't really going to get involved in the offense, I don't see why people don't like Doug Baldwin. I mean, he's the only guy to me who really sees uh, consistent targets. I know Kirsch and Lockett both both had a, a decent amount as well, uh, but it just seems to me that uh, he's the vocal point right now in that offense, uh, especially on the passing side. Yeah, everyone loved Lockett, and at times it's easy to fall in love with the splash play guy. But Baldwin and Russell Wilson seem to come up with a type of chemistry that number one receivers have with their quarterback. And my point all off season was once they find that and they take it to the next level, it's kind of rare to see it go backwards again. So that'll be interesting. The other thing with the Seahawks, Kristen Michael, I heard people saying he didn't play well. Oh, he got about 4.0 and you know, Rawls didn't do any better, but the question is, you know, it's just a tough situation to, you know, to know who to play behind a pretty bad offensive line each week. Yeah, well, I, I got two things to say. One, it was it was a good defense uh, with the Dolphins. So, I mean, you got to take this game kind of in stride. And then you also look at uh, a lot of players. You can make a big case for them having a good or bad game based on how many touchdowns they got. So if you look at Michael, if uh, he was able to get a touchdown somehow, whether in receiving or running the ball, he would have a, would have had a good game. Um, just the fact that he didn't get a touchdown, he just had a so-so game, but the 4.4 uh, yards per carry was still good. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's still in line. Uh, it does kind of stink that he split most of the carries with Rawls, but he, to me, he definitely outperformed Rawls in that uh, running game. Yeah, and and I, I don't think Rawls is fully back yet. Again, another situation where I just avoided almost all these injury guys. Um, and for the most part, you know, the one guy that kind of bit me was Kelvin Benjamin. But the rest of them, Jordy Nelson, Jamal Charles, Rawls, I mean, I faded them for the most part. And people don't understand by fading it means you could still have a little bit, but you're 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 really just using a little bit to leverage in case but for the most part I you know I stayed away from those injury guys and it was a good thing so let's leave this game that didn't have much in the way of fantasy goodness and go to the game that was my number one game to target and it was the Lions and the Colts the only issue is that the ball got spread around a lot but boy Andrew Luck looked like he was back didn't he you could really say that for both guys. Um, Stafford, 31-39, he had three touchdowns. There was just so much offense to like. Luck had those four big touchdowns. So I definitely think both guys are in prime positions right now. And it was good to see Luck uh, coming back. Uh, again, last year the injuries wasn't too great. So it, it's kind of a step in the right direction. Yep, and the legend of Jack Doyle was born. Two touchdowns. Allen was on the sideline. Boy, I had a lot of Allen, so that was disappointing. Um, Sidney Moncrief, 
looks like the number one receiver in this offense to me. Um, T.Y. Hilton was drafted consistently ahead of him. Uh, who do you think by the end of the year is going to be the number one fantasy scoring wide receiver on the Colts? I think it goes back to T.Y. It's, to me, for a lot of receivers, it's really about the uh, rapport that uh, each QB has with the wide receiver and what they feel comfortable with. And um, not trying to get off topic, but you look at like Tom Brady and he had a great rapport with Wes Welker and then he just found it again with uh, Julian Edelman and consistently those guys who are on the same page with their QB are the ones who have uh, the big weeks day in it, uh, week in and week out. Yeah, and that was my point with Russell Wilson and Baldwin. I thought they had gotten that last year. Um, Stafford, you're going to, you know, again, there's going to be weeks when Stafford has big games, but which guy do you pair him with? You've got three really good receivers in Jones, Tate, and Bolden. Ebron played and scored a touchdown. Riddick is good out of the backfield. I, I think you can make a case uh, in DFS on certain weeks to play naked Matt Stafford. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, to, but like you said, there's just too many guys right now. Amir Abdullah, he uh, saw a decent amount. Same as another running back. Yeah, Theo Riddick. So, I mean, if you have two running backs in the uh, – receiving core um, to go with Golden Tate and Marvin Jones and even Bolden. I mean, it's really hard to peg who's going to have what. So it's just a, a difficult thing. Yep. And when, when it comes to Stafford, they get the Titans this week. The Colts were so injury prone. So everyone on the Lions look good, but I think you have to tamper your expectations a little bit. Um, they are playing at home and it'll be interesting to see how they do against the Titans. But the Colts going in against that great Bronco defense, boy, that that's a tough spot. Yeah, absolutely. That's when you just kind of have to gloss over, pass over, and just, just not do it unless uh, you want to get really contrarian in DFS and get a very low ownership out of Andrew Luck. Well, and I think you've got to always do that. One of my secrets, uh, and again, I'm no uh, DFS expert. I'm I'm still in the category of learning and needing to do better. But some of my big hits in DFS, like that was my um, uh, my AJ Green this week against Revis uh, in baseball this year. I won, you know, one of my biggest pots uh, playing the Blue Jays against uh, Corey Kluber. And I, I remember someone asked me on Twitter, why did you do it? I said, I did it for the reason that they're the Blue Jays. And, you know, sometimes, and I mentioned this on my pod with the Mauler when I talked about A.J. Green, sometimes the irresistible force beats the immovable object. And if they do, you can get a huge upside with a great offense at a low ownership. But, I'm really worried, and I don't know that I'm going to do much of that this week simply because that offensive line is really bad for the Colts. Um, I just don't know that Andrew Luck's going to have the time to be efficient. No, absolutely. I I, uh, I don't feel very safe with that. And to piggyback um, on what you were just saying, I, I've heard that a lot. You, you find, a, especially in baseball, and you can kind of use it for DFS and football too, you find the, the top pitcher on the slate and just 
by chance you stack all the hitters against them and if they go off, you're basically going to be the only one in the, in the tournament that's going to have them. And you definitely have a good night. So it's kind of the same theory against one of the best defenses. You kind of stack yeah. the uh, QB and the wide receivers. Yep, and I, I don't like to do that just to do it. Like, I don't want to do that with against Clayton Kershaw when he was pitching. But Corey Kluber has been known to get blown up, right? It only might be once a month that he gets blown up, but he does get blown up. And when he gets blown up, it's often pretty good. Um, you know, but I don't know that that Denver defense is going to get blown up. Moving on to the next game, because we're already an hour and ten minutes into this, and that's another thing we'll be doing. We'll we'll find a way to shorten this, and also we'll get two weeks with buys, and it'll be less games. Giants-Cowboys, um, tell us about Dak Shepard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dak Prescott is the guy who is going in uh in, our, in my oh, notes, you mean the guy who's you. married to Kristen Bell wasn't playing quarterback for the? Uh... No, no, I, I don't like him, and uh, Dak's the only other guy that I know that's close to Dak Shepard. Um, and Dak Prescott really didn't impress me at all. So I definitely have a prejudice against guys named Dak or Dex or Dax or whatever you want to yeah, call it. Yeah, but they're, 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 they're more dicks than Dax, is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you just call him Dexter? But besides the point. So I wasn't a fan of Prescott. Um, I know the Giants' defense is good, but I don't know. He was basically the chalk, and he really did absolutely nothing. Uh, I think he was still worth it uh, in cash games just because he was so highly owned, and you could save a lot of salary. But going forward, I, I don't know if that's something I want to do, even against the Redskins. Well, and again, you know, if he was the chalk, I wasn't interested. You know, even 15, 20% ownership, I'm not interested in a, um, you know, a, a, a rookie quarterback. Uh, I'll take that chance, and, I, and that's one that I mostly won. I, I had about 5% on him where he was more like 15. He actually ended up with less ownership than expected in GPPs, Um but against Washington, eh, I'm going to be a little interested. I, I think I, I just, you know, the big question is they didn't get Des the ball, and Des needs the ball. So I know that DRC played good against him, but do you think Des didn't get the ball because of Dak, or do you think that Des was just covered by uh, Cromartie? Yeah, I think Brian was just covered um, too much, and it wasn't really something that Dax wanted to throw into. So I kind of understand that. He went with a lot safer um, re- reception options, and you see that a lot with uh, young QBs. They like those short passes, uh, and that was definitely evident. Kept throwing to Jason Witt and Cole Beasley, both averaging only like seven or eight per, uh, per catch. So um, not really uh, too much to be concerned right here. I think if Dak gets more work with Dez. I think against Washington, he could be able to do something, but I personally am staying off of it. Yep, and, the, you know, Dak wasn't the only disappointing running back, uh, rookie on the Cowboys. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott didn't look like the number four pick in the draft. Um, Jerry, though, he's so stubborn, I'm sure he'll continue to get the run, even though the best running back for that offensive line might be Alfred Morris. I think he's perfect for what that offensive line can do, but you're certainly going to give Elliott a lot more chances. 
A ton of targets for uh, Cole Beasley and Witten. I don't know if you can count on that happening. Over on the Giants, Odell didn't have a big day. Um, But Victor Cruz came back. Uh, What what were your thoughts? I mean, he was kind of my favorite player. Um, You know, little-known guy comes in. And he salsa'd this week. Uh, I was a little surprised. Uh, Do you think he has something left? Uh, Or was it just playing a bad team? Uh, It could have been playing a bad team, but, I mean, you forget before Odell Beckham Jr. was there, Victor Cruz was the man for a little bit uh, in the Giants, and Eli trusts him a lot. uh, And then he got injured, ODB was here, and it just changed the whole dynamic of the offense. And I, I think Beckham Jr. definitely is still the number one. There's no doubt about that. But Cruz does make an interesting pickup. Um, if he's still available, I, I mean, it's it's hard to get away and from. And he probably the, uh, is in four. most leagues. Ab- and he probably is so. in most leagues. Yep. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, no, no and worries. Sterling Shepard got a touchdown, so uh, that was interesting. Moving on to the Patriots and the Cardinals. Um, I'm a bit of a Jimmy G truther. I drafted him very early in my two dynasty leagues this year, the first two I've ever joined. Um, the guys look poised, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Against the Cardinal defense, one of the best out there. It was uh, pretty impressive. I mean, I think he kind of tailed off near the end of the game, but he's still solid um, for most of it. And I think against this uh, upcoming game against the Dolphins, not a huge fan of it, but he still could have a, a decent outing. Um, but it's just, I, I don't know if that really translates into a uh, into DFS purposes, but definitely I think it will be a close game with the Pats and the Dolphins. Well, I, 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 I'm not ready to sign up for a close game, but uh, I'm a big Jimmy G fan. If you're in a dynasty league, try and trade for this guy. I heard some... I don't want to call him a knucklehead because he might actually be listening to the podcast. But there was this gentleman who was talking about on my Twitter feed about how uh, the Patriots were going to trade Jimmy G. And I'm like, why would they trade him? I said, Brady's like 60 years old. I mean, you know, he's 39. But you can't trade Jimmy Garoppolo if you're the Patriots, can you? His argument was, well, they drafted Brissett. I'm like, if, if you think that Jimmy G can be your QB of the future, and he, he certainly looked like he could, um, you can't trade him, can you? Uh, well, I live in Rhode Island, and I hear WEI, the station up here, and one of the uh, guys in the morning thinks that Brissett is incredibly good, even though he hasn't really shown much. Um, so if they do think there is an heir apparent in Brissett, it would definitely leave Garoppolo able to be traded. Obviously, they're not going to trade him this year because he's still going to be the backup once Tom Brady comes back. But next year, you got to think about it. Are they really going to be able to have that salary for two QBs? Um, and, yeah, Brady's still well, Jimmy's, up there they, in age. They got Jimmy for a couple more years. What round did they draft Brisket? Brisket. Brisket. Uh, it was early, I think, third maybe. But I, yeah, Jimmy G was a second-round guy. All right, put me down for no trading of Jimmy G. Um, well, there's a, you know, there's maybe they hedge there's their, so much value. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it. I think he's the. I think he, you know, 
you, you hear about how they were talking about his release point and how quick his release is. That offense is based on quick release. I, I, I don't see it. Well, well, you know, there's no sense in arguing about it after week one, but I, I just can't see them uh, trading him. Carson Palmer, on the other hand, didn't look like Carson Palmer. Um, do you think that was the Patriots, or do you think that time is catching up with Carson? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, I think the Patriots' defense, everyone just talks so highly about it, and we we definitely saw a really good defense in that game. Um, Carson Palmer, he was okay. Uh, didn't throw any interceptions, but he just wasn't the same as old. So he was getting up there in age. He's been in the league, uh, I would assume, at least 10-plus years, and he's just one of those guys who's always around. And he was so solid last year that it was a real big shock for uh, him to just have kind of a mediocre outing here. Yep. No doubt, no doubt. So, um, all right, we're running kind of down on time, so we'll – there's, you know, some other good things there, but we'll go to the Steelers, and um, they play the Bengals next week. I mean, it pretty much was a track meet yesterday for them. Very impressive. The one guy that – the two guys that, you know, you expect Brown to be Brown, but, boy, Eli Rogers and Jesse James look like they're going to be good contributors, don't they? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, Roethlisberger has a bunch of weapons this year. And even when um, when uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell comes back, I think D'Angelo Williams, we saw, he can uh, kind of be a, um, an important guy in the uh, receiving core. He did see nine, uh, nine targets. So I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on in a couple games. Yep. Uh, anything else? Uh, jump out to you for the Steelers? Not really, just D'Angelo Williams, like uh, he started last year, is such a, a, it's a good runner. Um, it's just a shame once Bell comes back that uh, he's not going to see that workload. Yep. Um, moving over to the Redskins, Kirk Cousins, we, we didn't like that. We, we, we didn't like that last night. Uh, what did you make of what we didn't like? Um, I think it was mainly a little function of the Steelers' defense. I don't think they're the best defense, but they were able to do some things that really uh, messed up Kirk Cousins. Uh, there's still some things to like. He just couldn't get a lot of guys to go deep and really connect. There was a lot of short passes, but he really spread the ball around to um, those big three guys and uh, Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Reed, and Jamison Crowder. So if he continues that uh, for receiving cores, those guys uh, – should be good DFS contributors. Yep. Um, I think, you know, it, you know, right now, you know, the takes on Kirk Cousins run from the number one quarterback in fantasy this year all the way down to it was a mirage last year. So um, let's give it a, a couple more weeks. Um, the Steelers really did throw him off. He, they were expecting a lot of ru- uh blitzing from the linebackers and they were dropping seven and eight back in coverage and it it gave Kirk a lot of trouble Um, and I think maybe that's the way I think I think that's Kirk Cousins kryptonite more than anything is if you can scheme him in a way that he's not expecting I don't think he reacts real well when he doesn't know what's going on 
Yeah, absolutely. I think um, he's a guy who kind of needs to be in control and have simple passes. And when you have different schemes, and he just doesn't seem like he's that intelligent of a guy who can really uh, can kind of do different things on uh, the field. Yeah, I think that's uh, th- that'll be interesting uh, kind of storyline for us to follow as the year goes on. Um, all right, last game. And it was kind of a debacle, the Rams and the 49ers. They're both awful. Um, only two point, you know, only two points I want to make here is that I have a lot of Carlos Hyde. Hopefully he stays healthy. Do you think that he can be a weekly producer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, two touchdowns yesterday obviously boosted his fantasy value. Uh, but he still had close to four uh, yards per rush. So I don't mind him. Um, just kind of, to me, it's going to be a matchup dependent. Probably want to play him this week against Carolina, but uh, just a matchup thing for me. Yeah, that's a tough matchup. Um, you know, I'll play him in season long in the leagues that I have him because I have to, um, based on the league rules and who else I've got. Uh, but the other guy who you really need to get off the waiver wire is Jeremy Curley. He saw a lot of targets, and um, he's not a great player, but no one on that offense is. And, you know, the slot receiver in a Chip Kelly offense gets a lot of action. Yeah, absolutely. We saw that last year uh, for a little bit, and I definitely think, like you said, Curley, 11 targets, that was uh that was huge. So if he's able to continue that, um, I think he could be a sneaky play week in and week out. Obviously not this week, though. <laughs> and last comment, the Rams were just freaking awful. Um, you know, they were talking about giving Jeff Fisher a new contract. I don't know how you do that. Um, I mean, they traded up for Jared Goff. He's third string. I think you're going to see Sean Mannion pretty soon. I like Mannion coming out of college. He's a little immobile. He's kind of a Mike Glennon type, I guess you could say, or a Zach Mettenberger kind of guy. But uh, good arm, played good in the preseason. I mean, look, we all know what Case Keenum is. And if he got, if he looked that bad against the 49ers, I don't see why you wouldn't give Sean Mannion a try uh, in the very near future because it's just criminal to waste Todd Gurley, don't you think? Absolutely. I was talking to uh, my dad today, and he thought that the he's a Rams fan, and he thought the Rams QB was the disc jockey who was, who had passed years ago. But I had to inform him who he was, and uh, I'm not trying to make a joke, but I think Casey Keenum, even his corpse, could have done better than uh, Case Keenum. So it's really nothing to like here. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, we went a little long the first week. We'll refine the process, get our get our prep going. But uh, it was great having you on, Nick. Uh, looking forward to working with you each week as we go through the games. Uh, as we mentioned, it'll also be shorter when there's less games. But, I, you know, look, I think we went over all the key points for all the key teams, and uh, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely going to – go up from here so definitely uh tune in next week all right so uh been a while since i had you on the show um i normally lead out with a song so we'll 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 lead it out with uh, the eagles life in the fast lane um 
NFL Week 1 in the books, folks. Have a great night. Nick, thanks for being part of the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you.